0: Welcome to the Weekly Standard Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Graham. With us on Weekly Standard is Bill Crystal to help wrap up the week. And it's been a crazy week on college campuses, Bill. And I desperately want to talk about that. You have a great piece at WeeklyStandard.com. And, but I got to ask you about the Thursday night performance by, what was that? Shecky Donald Trump working at the, the comedy garage. I, 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 in my political life, I've never seen anything like it.
1: Yeah, I missed that I was moderating a Federal Society, uh, a panel at their big dinner, their big convention. Uh, hey, let me just interrupt in on
0: behalf of all the podcast listeners? You know how to party, Bill Crystal. No, yeah, very not. exciting. You
1: know, you know, up on stage with four governors discussing federalism before 1,200 conservative lawyers. It was a really, it was a hip scene, Michael. You know, it was my kind <laughs> of, my, my kind of place. It was a good discussion. Scott Walker, I'd say, it was actually was dominated the panel. And, you know, a lot of, I'd say 30 people came up to me afterwards and said, Where was that, Scott Walker, during the presidential Mm -hmm. campaign? Charming, funny, intelligent, you know, kind of got the crowd going. Anyway, that's uh, that's one of those weird things that happens, I guess, sometimes when you run for president. But speaking of weird things that happen when you run for president, I do gather that Donald Trump gave a sort of mind-boggling hour-and-a-half speech in Iowa. You know, with Donald Trump, you keep thinking he's finally jumped the shark. This is finally it, the beginning of the end. I guess I do think, since he's been fading a little bit, losing momentum a little bit in the last month or two anyway, uh, didn't have a very strong debate Tuesday night. I do wonder now whether it starts to erode. I don't think the bubble will per- burst. You know, people use that metaphor, but that's not the way it works. But I just think a gradual leaking of air out of the Trump balloon, um, probably is going to happen. I mean, insulting Ben Carson, casting doubt on his Claim, which seems incidentally to be verified by his life and story, that he had this moment when he was a teenager and he found God and and uh, found Christ. Uh, he's a Christian, and um, you know that changed his life. I mean, there's there's an awful lot of evidence that, I mean, that's something Ben Carson has said for 50 years, and as I say, there's a lot of empirical data to back that up, like the rest of his life. You know, so uh, really, are, are Iowa voters going to be okay with Trump mocking that?
0: And and that is the word. It was the mockery that amazed me. Uh, just it was it was one could argue vicious, vindictive you know, talking where's you know anyone got a knife I mean it was t- truly, truly bizarre, and I wonder, is there a plan behind this, or is this just Donald Trump flying by the seat of his pants, and that night the seat of his pants were whatever cranky he was Mr. cranky pants, <laughs> and he just went off, or is there some kind of i've got to consolidate all of the non establishment or the outsider vote, I've got to take out Ben Carson, and this is how I'm going to do it.
1: You know, I read about it a little bit online late last night. I thought, well, maybe he's going to switch parties, run as a Democrat, since they seem to like people who make fun of religious faith or or deprecate it, and uh, uh, you know, don't take seriously the accomplishments of someone like Ben Carson, and uh, are willing to trash, of course, any black conservative who shows up. I, I don't know. I don't believe. I, I think he's a little bit desperate. He probably looks at these polls. He's not a stupid man. He understands that his moment is beginning to pass, and it's a kind of lashing out, and uh, that you see in that in those circumstances. Right. And
0: this, it's Interesting. Uh, I'm going to play some audio for everyone because I think this is, the, for me, the standout moment. I may leave here and you may say, oh, that was not nice what he said. Who
1: cares? I go back to my
0: life. I don't have to do interviews, which I don't like doing, to be honest with you. See, to me, Bill, that kind of Jeb Bush, I got better things to do. I mean, talk about a tell. It doesn't really matter to me what happens. I'll just go back to my life. Who wants to enthusiastically back a guy to the wall who's prepared at any moment, apparently, to just walk away from the fight?
1: Yeah, I had the exact same reaction of thinking, too. that reminds me of Jeb Bush, another guy who, uh, or Bush's case, someone who, I don't know, maybe really didn't want to run in any way, is trying, now trying to get votes by telling voters he doesn't much care about what they think and that he doesn't much care about the job that he's asking them to support him for. But uh, Trump and Bush could end up having this weird symbiotic relationship where Trump, I think, was the naturally occurring antibody to the establishment attempt to bless and coronate Jeb Bush uh, with Bush's uh, collapse Trump's collapse may be following uh, shortly after.
0: Uh, So uh, this is where we are. There's obviously opportunities uh, for people. I just wonder what Trump's going to do next. I I think it's safe to say nobody knows. I wouldn't be surprised if Donald Trump doesn't know. And so that's kind of the political race as we watch this. Before we get to the college campus craziness, though, i got to point out. So the Democrats are going to debate. Apparently it's going to be at 3 a.m. only on one UHF station, and it's being held inside Dick Cheney's secure bunker. Do I have that right? I mean, seriously, Saturday night, nine o'clock, while Iowa's playing football and they're ranked in the top ten, this, this might as well be on the invisible channel.
1: Yeah, I know. I'm, I'm doing good, uh, this week on Sunday morning on ABC. And so uh, I'll, I guess I'll feel some, we'll probably have to discuss this. And so I guess I should try to watch it Saturday night, but maybe I can, uh, maybe I can watch a good football game and just, uh, this is why the internet is a great thing. You know, the transfer we posted at 1101 PM and I'll skim through it and then I can, <laughs> I don't think I have to make clear on, on ABC Sunday morning whether I watched it or whether I really merely, you know, watched a few highlights and, and read, you watched and read it, the transcript.
0: You, if you <laughs> watched it, you'll be the only person who hasn't called into C-SPAN who watched we'll be, it. Yeah,
1: there'll be, there'll be four of us on the panel faking having watched it. You know so, why, so
0: why would the greatest candidate ever who has more experience than anybody, who's a natural lock in, you know, indisputable, inevitable, why would she be holding her debates on date night Opposite top 10 football.
1: Right. I gather the debate after this is opposite one of the college football playoff games, right? So, and I think the very <laughs> beginning of January. So, yeah, maybe she's not so confident that, I mean, of course she's the front runner. Uh, if she does well, it's expected. If she trips up, uh, that makes things a little dangerous. You know, I mean, everyone assumes she'll be the nominee, and I guess I do too. Uh, Biden's not running. I gave up on that a while ago when he announced he wasn't. but. Um, I don't know. I'm so struck. You look at the polls, the national polls, there have been two of them, I think, in the last week. She's 20 points ahead of Sanders, basically. It's like 56, 34, something like that. In Iowa, she's ahead by last. In New Hampshire, she's still, I think, a little behind. I don't know. I mean, if you're Hillary Clinton, you're thinking, geez, you know, I'm going to have to hang on here in Iowa, New Hampshire, hope for a split or hope not to lose badly. And then I've got this alleged firewall in South Carolina. But how strong is that firewall, really? I think the Clinton people are more nervous than the letter on.
0: I don't know what they'd be nervous about. You can't beat somebody with nobody. Uh, the people who should be nervous are the people who are spending forty, fifty, sixty grand a year to send their kids to college so they can learn that they're entitled to a safe space free from icky Halloween costumes. Go Yale.
1: You're absolutely right. I mean, you it really was there was a point this week where. You just couldn't tell what on reading Twitter, reading things online, you couldn't tell what was a parody and what was real i mean i don't mean that I don't mean that you know metaphor i don't mean that metaphorically or I don't know humorously. I literally couldn't be sure at times you know there was you know oh, I need to save space because someone walked around dressed as a Mexican well, was he like threatening you? No, no, he was wearing a or she maybe I think was right. wearing a sombrero and that was like a Halloween costume. I guess they didn't have much time to you know put together a fancy right. one or something and that that requires a safe space. I mean, you just can't make it up. And these are on liberal campuses where the kids are coddled, obviously, beyond the dreams of uh, of our generation or my generation or your generation or earlier generations. I mean, the more they're coddled, the more they demand further coddling.
0: I just keep asking myself, where are the grown-ups? University uh, of Missouri, the football coach claims that he supported the potential walking out of a football game. I just cannot express but being an SEC fan myself, a go game What a earthquake, cultural earthquake it would be if a football team didn't show up for a game on a Saturday over the nothing burger of Missouri where, you know, someone shouted something out a window and someone scrawled a uh, swastika and feces. I mean, that's it. That's the that's the uh, content of the Bull Connor movement on campus. And, and the coach pretends he supports them. The professors say they support these kids. The mayor said that the struggle isn't over until everyone is free of epithets. Well, that means that it's we're, we're going to have to end speech. We're all going to become mutes. Right. I, I don't. I just. Where are the grown-ups to point out how silly this is?
1: Well, most of the a lot of the grown-ups on campuses are obviously professors, and especially I think administrators, these assistant deans for student life, the assistant dean for diversity, who have an interest. Well, they, a they agree with the students, and b they have an interest in uh, helping the students, uh, you know, to make more demands. Because a lot of the demands are that there be more assistant deans for student life and deputy associate <laughs> deans for exactly. diversity. Some of these people are just calculating. Professors don't, you know, they want to be popular. The football coach has players who, and I guess his team was split, and he wanted to, you know, try to get along with every part of the team and the faction that he hadn't been apparently that had been sort of rebelling against him was the faction that was sympathetic to the students so you get a lot of mixed motives here a lot of just kind of craven cowardice a lot of occurring favor uh, but you know a lot of really not wanting to risk your career i think that's just if you're an adult why should you step up uh, right. and fight this i mean you're going to be uh, pilloried we've seen that at yale we've seen that elsewhere i just got an email from a friend at claremont where some courageous students are standing up against the madness mm-hmm. there and you know, it's so crazy, you, you want to laugh at it. And as I said, it's hard to tell the parody from the real thing. But it is dangerous. I mean, it really is a deeply illiberal uh, movement, hostile to freedom and, and hostile to free speech, as you, as you said a minute and,
0: ago. And it's not uh, a, a subversively hostile to free speech. The vice president of the student body, versus Missouri, said that she's, quote, tired of people using the First Amendment to defend hate. And she thinks that's a serious argument. And that's the kind of argument... I, I I you'd get an F in my class if that was your argument. Free speech is bad because hate the end. I I don't I don't know what to say to that when people make those arguments. Why aren't they embarrassed for themselves?
1: Uh, yeah, I don't know. And, and I got an email. I actually posted this a, a, a few minutes ago on the Weekly Standard blog um, as an intelligent email from a reader who wanted to be anonymous, though, saying this isn't just a university problem. It's a workplace problem, mm-hmm. especially in sort of big corporations. Uh, he himself has had some issues, right? Just you know, being saying, taking conservative positions on certain things. And he's a very mild matted guy. I know him a little bit. I'm sure in the most, as I say, in the least obstreperous way, but didn't want to be bullied by his uh, peers and just signing on to certain things. Things or saying certain things at workshops. I mean, people know that kind of stuff. So it really is a broader problem. I think it's incidentally politically the conservative politician who steps up on this, the yes. governor, who says, hey, you know, can I, can I make a point? The University of Missouri is a public institution. Mm-hmm. You know, the state legislature of Missouri, and the governor, it happens to be a Democrat in that case, but they do have some authority and responsibility. This is true in other states as well. Uh, and, and of course, even if they're private institutions, there are public issues of freedom of speech and so forth. So uh, a senator who says maybe at the federal level there are some things we should do to protect free speech, I really think taking on... This plague—it really has become a plague of political correctness—and um, it's not just kind of "gee, there's some social pressure." We're talking about real legal threats and real mm-hmm. physical threats at times against people. I think someone who takes that on would be—there's uh, got to be a silent majority out there that just looks at this and thinks, "What is going on?"
0: Now, this is the opportunity for the Republican Party, which has a lot of brand issues, to—you know—be the brand of normal people. I'm surprised, for example, that uh, Dr. Ben Carson hasn't gone to Missouri. I, I think it would be a tremendous win for him. Just walk out on the campus, talk to people, talk about what it's really like to face discrimination and talk about you know, what, how you can conquer it and, and et cetera. I'm surprised that someone like Chris Christie hasn't uh, gotten involved. This seems like it's right in his wheelhouse. And uh, maybe the most disturbing event of all, the announcement from the University of Missouri Police Department that they want students who hear hateful language to immediately call the police, take a description of the person. Ta- so you're, you're walking down the campus and someone's telling a joke about a rabbi, a priest, and a whatever, nun walking to a bar. And someone's scribbling down you. I got a drawing of him, officer. There he is. I mean, this is so crazy that it seems like the perfect opportunity for counter-programming by the GOP.
1: I totally agree, and I think especially a governor. Well, you know, Mitch Daniels, who was a governor, obviously, right. uh, and is now president of Purdue, sends an email to the Purdue faculty and students I think, yesterday or the day before. Mm-hmm. They got a lot of circulation, which was mild-mannered, mild-toned, but made clear there'll be freedom of speech at Purdue. I think people who do that will become sort of heroes, not just to conservatives, but to lots of Americans, including lots of Americans who don't have the, didn't have the opportunity to go to a nice college. Maybe their kids aren't college exactly. students, and they look at these... Kids who are uh, upon whom the taxpayers are spending, for whom the taxpayers are spending a lot of money, who are getting low interest loans, uh, who are treated awfully well while they're on campus, and then their their response is to sort of make you know take things in this crazy direction, and and really not just crazy, we I mean, really threaten freedom of speech sure. in a way that's so very unhealthy for the country.
0: A great uh, bill to be proposed by a Republican U.S. senator: Every student who's arrested by the police for free speech at your campus. Will be a one percent drop in the amount of federal aid to your campus.
1: Right, and a great thing for and every mayor and governor should say to the police nonsense. If you get a phone call complaining about someone's speech, that's not that's not an actual criminal speech, threatening speech. Ignore it.
0: Yeah, but but that would be sanity and. For some reason, we're doing something very different. Well, uh, Bill, I was hoping that we'd be joined here at the end with Donald Trump for a last-minute knife fight, but apparently he was already booked for an MMA event. Uh, so uh, I'll be watching to see if you are, in fact, watching the debate on nine, 9 o'clock Saturday night, and we'll be back for another podcast soon. Thanks so much. Thanks, Michael. You've been listening to the Weekly Standard Podcast. Please be sure to check WeeklyStandard.com regularly for podcast updates. I'm your host, Michael Graham.